Hello and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, the podcast where we discuss all things cybersecurity. This week we will be discussing a sneaky, previously unknown threat actor known as Sandman, which has targeted telecom service providers across the Middle East, Western Europe, and South Asia. What's interesting about these new threat actors and what separates them from the rest of the pack is their use of malware created in Luajit. Luajit is a tracing just-in-time compiler, which is an incredibly fast compiler for the Lua programming language. Lua itself is a cross-platform language that provides a small set of very general features that can be extended to fit many, many different problem types. It's still not very commonly used, and it's definitely not commonly used to create backdoors in computers or networks, which is how the Sandman group has been using it. Typically, it would be used in very specialty applications, most commonly in game development due to its speed. The backdoor malware created by this group is known as LuaDream, due to the unique use of this platform. But the LuaDream malware isn't just a backdoor, that's just its main purpose. It actually has quite a lot of functions, like stealing system and user information, managing plugins installed by the attacker that can allow different types of attacks in the future. It's possibly related to a different malware strain identified by Kaspersky Labs as Dreamland, which has been used to target a Pakistani government agency. Similarly to Lua Dream, it's very highly sophisticated with multiple functions and also utilizes the Lua language and the Lua JIT compiler. It is currently unknown if this is the same group or not. I think it's pretty likely given the unusual use of Lua and Lua JIT. Even though one was targeting a government agency and the other was targeting telecom companies, it's not completely unusual for groups to have multiple targets. This is especially common in ransomware groups, although there has been no ransomware specifically associated with this group as of the date of this recording. Sandman uses attack methods that are very slow, but also pretty smart. They lay low and do as little as possible, as slowly as possible, while still making progress towards their goals. Of course, being slower does have its downsides. There is just more time overall for security teams to recognize them, and of course they make progress, well, slowly. But we'll get to the benefits of this later. Typically, the group obtains initial access by compromising administrative credentials through currently unknown means although it's likely a phishing attack of sorts, and then they will very slowly scan for other machines to target once they're in. On average, there's a five-day gap between breaking into new machines, and one method the group uses to break into those machines is known as a pass-the-hash attack. A password isn't stored in plain text on most systems because then it would be easy to compromise. Instead, they are put through a one-way algorithm called a hashing algorithm to make them into a long, unique string of characters that looks like you threw your keyboard down a hill. When you're authenticating to a system, typically you put your password in, but the password isn't actually what's read by the system itself. It's the hash. It goes through the algorithm before it's checked. A pass-the-hash attack kind of avoids going around the algorithm by using special commands to present the hash instead of the password. But how do you get the hash in the first place? Hashes are stored on the system. After all, they have to be compared to something. Otherwise, you could just enter anything and get in. However, typically, no one should be able to access those folders except for the system, 
So that's not a good place for an attacker to look unless they manage to get system level privileges, which may be very difficult and very, very noticeable. Another method is simply to cause a memory crash dump. You can use a program called Mimikat specifically to create a crash dump that will contain password hashes in it. Password hashes can be for administrative accounts, but it can also be for any ordinary users who log into the system. In fact, Sandman used the password hashes of many people in managerial positions to log into their computers. This could be to extract information on employees. Making less but smarter moves in a longer period of time means that there's less logs created and they may not be correlated immediately to the specific attack, especially if the evidence shows up on different machines. It really may only become clear after the organization has realized what's happened. Using a just-in-time compiler to run Lua Dream also makes it difficult to detect the presence of the malware in the systems, which is of course installed on any of the other compromised workstations too. Setting up the malware actually requires a 7-step process that runs entirely in the system's memory, so no malicious files can be detected because they're not being created. It's also possible to hide in existing processes, such as the print spooler, which is a common way to avoid detection. However, you may get suspicious if your print spooler starts seeing very strange activity, like exfiltrating data or talking to an outside network. The exact techniques, tactics, and procedures have not been seen before in any other known hacking group, and they also suggest a very sophisticated attacker with extensive knowledge that's likely playing the long game to get as much data as possible before getting cut off. So why is Sandman compromising telecom companies? Well, they collect a lot of data on users, so it could be the preparation of other types of attacks like phishing, or the data could be sold on the dark web to, again, further other types of attacks. If phone numbers are obtained, it also makes it possible to perform a different type of attack called SIM swapping. SIM swapping is when a hacker tricks your phone provider into changing your phone number to their phone. If you have multi-factor authentication enabled through SMS text message, and the attacker already knows your password through some other means, SIM swapping allows them to also get those authentication codes, which is why it's typically recommended to use an authentication app or a specific hardware token, as those cannot be susceptible to SIM swapping attacks. Either way, little is known about this group's motivation so far, and really even their origin, it is likely somewhere in the area they are attacking, though. It will be interesting to discover more information on the attackers, including exactly what their motivations are in the future. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, and thank you to Dark Rating, Bleepy Computer, The Hacker News, and Sentinel One for information on this new advanced persistent threat group. My name is Chloe Donis, and until next time, stay secure.